0: Good morning, everyone. Uh, My name is Sam, and I am the youth director here at Southside. Um, And I'm also uh, in training. I'm working on becoming a pastor. So this is uh, PJ's way of pushing me uh, to grow. uh, And he uh, was brave enough to give me uh, the mic this morning. And so we'll see how things go. All right. So we are in our Mounting with the Master series, right? We're going through the greatest sermon ever preached by Jesus, and it was called the Sermon on the Mountain because it took place on a mountain. I know it's brilliant. I don't know who came up with that, but, you know, spot on. But I really think we could call it something kind of similar. We could call it almost Jesus uh, inviting us to climb. He invites us to climb upward. And here's what I mean by that. Everything Jesus talks about... Or he teaches on in this whole sermon, it's all something that takes like intentionality and purpose to go up towards. You know, like when you climb a mountain, you don't accidentally get to the top. You know, you don't accidentally wake up one day and you're on top of a mountain and you're like, oh my goodness, how did I get here, right? You always have things pulling, you know, gravity pulling you down. It takes intentionality to climb a mountain. Likewise, when Jesus teaches us, uh, even just the past couple of weeks when we're talking about. Rejoicing when persecuted. You don't accidentally, you know, rejoice when persecuted. No, it takes intentionality. It takes growth to climb up to that place that Jesus is inviting us into. It takes, it takes a little bit of effort and a little bit of faith and a little bit of trust and we can start to grow and climb with this invitation that Jesus has for us. For a lot of us though, we've been in the same place on this climb too long. And there's a lot of reasons why we actually stop climbing. Uh, one of the big reasons we see all the time is when a storm comes into your life, whether you lose someone, you go through a divorce, uh, uh, something big happens. And this takes place all the time that rocks your world. You cling to the spot you're on, on this climb. And you hang on for dear life and you close your eyes to so just get you through this storm because you feel like you're about to get blown off. But the thing is, though, Jesus doesn't want us to stay there. He keeps inviting us to climb more, but sometimes we're so stuck on where we're at that it could be 75 and sunny with a light breeze, and we are still got this death grip on where we're at that we can't climb to this place that Jesus keeps inviting us to. Other of you uh, in this room have been climbing a long time, and you just needed some rest. Like, it's just tiring. Like, it takes effort, like I said, and it's exhausting, and so sometimes you need to rest. And so get rest, you know, talk to a counselor, you know, be refreshed. But then also get excited, because Jesus doesn't want you to stay in that place. You're going to be invi- he keeps inviting us to someplace better. He keeps inviting us to, be, uh, to a better place with him. And so get excited for when you rest, that you have an opportunity for that next leg of your journey. And then some of you guys, I'm going to say this about this church, are actually doing... An amazing job of climbing. That's why I love it here at Sasa. There's some really good climbers here that are inspiring me every day to keep wanting to grow and climb with Jesus. Because I see, I see you guys, and you do an amazing job. And some of you guys are like, there's a mountain, like we're climbing, and he's like, Yeah, we are, and it's exciting. It's not just mountaining with the master, it's not just a play on words, but it's a reality that we actually get to live in. And Jesus invites us. Into and so, the, kind of the question is, well, how do we climb? You know, how do we accept this invitation that Jesus has for us as we are climbing? Uh, how, do, how do we kind of do this? Uh, how do you know? How do, how do I want to do this? Right? I want to leave the place I'm in and climb forward. And really, to answer that question, we got to keep reading through the sermon. You know, what is Jesus teaching us in this? And he uh, and we just finished going through the Beatitudes, right? You know, the announcements of what the kingdom of God is like, and then Jesus changes gears a little bit. And he calls us two things. He calls us salt and light. Now, if you're like me and you've been a Christian for a while, you've heard this before, and I know you have, and I bet, like me, you actually also struggle with this as much as I do. And then if you're new to this and that you didn't realize Jesus called you salt and light, I actually want you to get excited. You should get really excited because understanding this and believing this and living this will change the way you climb. It will drastically start to change the shape of your life. So what does Jesus call us? Let's find out. Let's read together in Matthew five, thirteen through 16. It says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and be trampled on by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. So this is crazy, right? He calls you salt and he calls you light. This is so important. This is so huge that I can't just communicate it this morning. Actually, I'm going to need your help. And I really want you to turn to the person on your left and say, Hey, you are the salt of the earth the light of the world. Ready? Go. All right, and now you got to do it to the person on your right. The person just told you this. You got to tell them, "Hey, you are the salts of the earth. You are the light of the world." So this is ah, this is completely backwards, upside down compared to how we usually think. This is super backwards from how we usually do everything. You know, and this and this is—it's backwards for me, and I'm, I'm, this is going to be backwards for you. And this is why I struggle to climb like this. This is where I'm bad at climbing at this area of my life. And uh, Jesus calls us salt and light, which is two things: valuable and purposeful. So, in Jesus' day, when He calls you salt, right? Uh, salt was this very huge important use where they would uh, preserve meat and food, right? They didn't have this thing called a fridge like we have today. So salt was so critical for your diet. If you wanted any quality of life, you would need to have salt in it. In fact, Rome, you know, Rome, the big powerhouse of the day, would literally pay their soldiers, you know, in salt, like it was money, like gold. That's how valuable salt was. People fought wars, bled, and died for salt. And that's what he's calling us right now. You are salt. You are valuable. Then he calls us light. And Jesus teaches us in a very... Jesus is silly when he teaches this. He's like, you don't light a lamp and then you don't cover your lights, put a bowl over it. He's like, you don't do that, right? It's like, no, duh, Jesus. You know, Why would we climb this mountain for you to tell us you know, how to use a light? No, you put it on a stand so it gives see. You're like, what's its purpose, right? There's a purpose behind light. So people can see, oh, everyone in the house, and oh, that's right, there's a light. So he calls us two things. He calls us valuable, and he calls us purposeful. Now, this is where I start to struggle, right? Because I ask the question, well, what, what usually are the things in my life that gives me value and purpose? And this is where I get backward. Because most of the time, I don't know about you guys, but I bet you do, is we love action. We love the do part, the deeds part, to see the value in the action in our world. And you actually do this all the time. Let me, let me give you an example. And just because really, I live in America... And uh, I really enjoy this sport. You are gonna you know, bear with me. I'm going to use a football reference, you know. Ready? Here we go. All right. Somebody, you know, people tell me, who are the, some of the best quarterbacks in the NFL? Give me Kirk some names. Cousins. Kirk Cousins. All right, we have one. <laughs> Just booze? Okay, so we only have Kirk Cousins, so I don't hear any other names. Rogers, Aaron Rodgers? Brady. Brady, Holmes? Okay, right. So, you, like, why are you giving me those, like, what's behind those names, right? Why you those answers? Because you're like, who who throws the most yards, who wins the most games, touchdowns, right? That's, that's We know who the best are, what they do. That's how you, you measure the level of the quarterbacks, right? But we actually take this way of thinking in other areas of our life, right? If I sat down and I asked, hey, how was your day yesterday? Uh, you would probably start to think about, oh, what did I do yesterday? You know, what took place? What, what are some of the things I did? You know, what are some of the things around me? And really kind of based off that formula, you would actually tell me if your day was good or bad, Alright, you know, I did some cool things, it was a good day. You know, I, I didn't really do anything, some, it was not that great, and bad day, right? It was all based on your, the actions of what took place. We carry this into other things. Uh, we spend a lot of our time at work, right? Our place of employment. Who are like the best coworkers, right? The ones who get stuff done with quality and efficiency, with a good attitude. We love those guys. We love those kind of people, right? They're usually the ones, right, the guys with the most sales, most productive. They usually get the bonus, the promotion. We like people who do that. And the ones who are bad at quality... And efficiency and having a bad attitude are usually the ones we don't like those people, right? They, they don't do good stuff. You know, every boss wants a winner on their team. You know, we, we want high performers, we want high achievers, high winners at our place of employment. Uh, we take this mindset into our school system, right? Who are the smartest kids in school, right? Those who are do the best on the test, right? Those who get the A, get the high grade, and we I'm sure a lot of you have taken this little test called the ACT. No, I actually don't even know what it stands for, but I can tell you what it means, right? The score, you know, how you do on that test determines uh, the level of college you can get into, the level of scholarship. That can almost de- determine the level of degree you have, which can determine the, you know, quality of job, which determines quality of life. I mean, that's a lot writing all of a sudden on a 17-year-old's actions, but that's just how, you know, it's built right now. We take this approach in other places, uh, like in our family, and our marriages. If I asked you, you know, you know we sat down and how is your marriage going? For some people, it's answering the question, well, how often did we fight last week? Four times. It was a good week, you know. It was great. It was super healthy. And then, you know, uh, you know, how often, maybe it's now answering the question of it's a good marriage because we go on X amount of dates every once in a while. It's a our dates you know, and for some people it 's answering the question, well, how often and consistent do we canoodle you know that's that 's how you start to measure you know what metric of action do you want to use to also start to describe like how people 's marriage are going? Uh, we talk about we do this in our parenting, I became a parent for the first time last year, and I learned that you get all these questions now now that you have a kid like uh, does, does does your baby sleep good? oh okay. Does, does your baby, you know, eat well? You know, is, is he going to be crawling soon? Is he walking? Is he talking? Does he show signs of intelligence? Is this a human? Like, you get all these questions all of a sudden, you know, about your kid. But even even when the kids get a little older, right? You're going to, like, I'm asking, you know, here we go. How's your, how's, how's your parenting? How's the kids doing? What would you tell me about? You know, I can't tell you how many times I talk to kids who... I have sports practices six out of seven days a week plus weekend tournaments, and that's just the sport they're in, not to mention they need a job, right, because they got to know what a work ethic is, and they need money to buy a car and to go to college and to move out when, you know, always they're going to fall behind, and all their friends are going to take off, and they're going to stay the same, so they better do stuff. If they don't do stuff, then they're going to get really far behind, so we got to push, push, push more on them to do, and the more my kid does, the happier I'm going to be, right, because then they're succeeding at life. Does anyone see a pattern here? It does not matter the area in your life. If I asked you about it, you automatically start thinking about the does, the action, the things that happen uh, around it. And that starts to be the place where we define almost everything and almost everyone. So this is kind of where the struggle is, right? This is where we start to wrestle. Because, I mean, didn't Jesus say like do good deeds so like people will, like praise your heavenly Father right? He told us to do some stuff, but we we miss the reason why Jesus calls us salt and light. We we skip right to the end. We go right to the very end of do good stuff, and then and then people will praise God we miss why we're called salt and light. And it's really because God cares way more about who you are than what you do. God cares way more about who you are than what you do. Right? That's that's our gospel message. That's that's what that's what that's what it's about. You know, God sends his son down to us, not because we had such value to give to God, not that we could do anything for God, you know, but we were need of saving, and God came and He saved us, you know. And no matter anything we do, uh, understand our knowledge, our wisdom, anything like that, without God is meaningless, right? Uh, Mark ten forty-five says, "For even the Son of Man did not come to be served." but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. right? The Son of God did not come to have people do things for him that had so much to offer. No, just the opposite. He actually came to them to give them value and purpose. And that's what's so amazing about Jesus. And that's what's so amazing about the love of God. And this is the part that the disciples didn't understand yet. You know, if we go back right around the Sermon on the Mountain and Jesus is teaching them, you know, hey, you are salt, you are light, you are valuable, you are purposeful. And this was completely upside down and backwards, made no sense compared to what the Pharisees were telling them. You know, the Pharisee guys would be like the pastors of the Jews of the day, you know, the religious folk. Uh, They they loved, uh, I mean, these are the guys who would pray out loud just so they can let people know how good they were at praying. They would literally make up more rules about how to follow God so they could brag more about how well they follow God. Right? I mean, that's, that's. So they would. They were these, like, top doers, right? They could tell this is how you follow God, this is how you do things. And if you didn't do it to their expectations, how you do things, they got to tell you then. The value and purpose you had in the world. So if you were not following all these ridiculous rules and being able to pray out loud like they did and have this perfect problem-free life, then you were down here and they were up here. You know, the Pharisees love to tell people, you know, we're up here, you're down here, right? We're this holy good people. And that's where all the disciples, right? That's where they were told you were at. If you're not up here, you're down here. You have very little value or purpose. That's that's the world they live in. So then Jesus is like, hey, you're valuable and you're purposeful. It's so different, so radical from what we know. But man, don't you hate to live in a world with like the Pharisees? Like, won't you hate living in a world where like the top doers got to tell everyone, you know, where they stand on things? I mean, wouldn't it be terrible if every day you were measured by what you do that you had to check certain boxes and have certain looks and maintain a certain status quo? That sounds like a terrible place to live in, right? Hey, why does, but why does that feel so real to us right now? Why, is that, why, do, why do we understand that, hey, I can relate to something like that? So I'm going to do a little quick survey, very scientific here. Uh, I want you to raise your hand if you had ever heard the phrase, a go-getter. Oh, wow. So almost all of us know this phrase, right? And I'm talking like we're on the same page with the same phrase here, right? Is, I mean, a go-getter is like an active, energetic, and aggressive person who pursues their passion and interest, right? So this is kind of weird, though. So we all, we all kind of know this, though. But where does this come from? Where is this found? How do we, how do we know this phrase? Uh, this is this is weird my notes say this is the interactive part um, so uh, i don't know what your notes say but i'm curious where where do we find this phrase a white person phrase, a white person phrase. <laughs> oh that's good that's bold i like it thank you miko right is it almost hard to say it is hard to say it's hard for me to say cuz it's found it's found here in our culture in our history right we were the go getters that's what made us americans right we smacked the british out of here became a country we had opportunities to travel from coast to coast in search of gold and opportunity and prosperity as pioneers. You know, we we were the ones who sent people to the moon because we just wanted to prove we could do hard things. I mean, after all, we're back-to-back World War champs. Uh, you know, I mean, come on. That's that's Of all the top doers in the world, all the people... America, right? We're number one, right? That's all we chant. USA. USA, the Olympics comes out and we all beat our drama. We're so proud of our country and nation for what we get to do, right? We're we're a nation, a culture, a people, of doing. And we put that that lens, right? That we are the people. We are an active, energetic, aggressive bunch of people who pursues our interests and passions, right? That's what makes us Americans. And here's what's kind of sad. Uh, this is the lens we see the world through. This is what, how we process what's around us, right? And you, can't, you can try to convince me you don't, but how can you not? I mean, if you were even born or raised or around these people, day one, it's how you do on tests. It's what your parents or whoever raised you is. You better do the right thing. Otherwise, it'll look bad in our family. You know, if you're a drunkard or a druggie, you have no value in our communities. You know, it's pathetic. We don't. We don't do that here. We, you need to get a job, a well-paying job, to earn this thing, this powerful thing that everybody respects called money. And then you see the best athletes, top actresses, big-time business people, sharp-dressed politicians are all of a sudden the ones who get to say where you stand on value and purpose, that they're up here, and if you're not like them, you're not a top athlete or look pretty or whatever, you're all of a sudden down here. And all of a sudden that's the world we live in. That's how we process and how we do things. And that's how we, the lens we kind of see people with. And we miss the incredible, powerful message that Jesus tells us when he says, you are salt. You are light. You are valuable. You are purposeful. We miss it because we're looking at it all wrong. We're looking at, oh, do good deeds. We totally miss what Jesus is telling about. And this is where, I don't know if it rocks your world or not, but it rocks my world. Because for the longest time, especially... Uh, in in autumn, uh, through high school, like, I wanted to be Super Sam, right? I, I got my life together. I got my career going right away. I married my high school sweetheart. I tried to go on as many mission trips, Bible studies, consistent at church. I just wanted to do these things, right? For God, be a go-getter for God. And I didn't really have, like, a goal. I just wanted to do stuff. Because that's what that meant. I was doing well. If I could do stuff, that means I was up here, right? And then all of a sudden, not everyone, though, lived this life, like, focused on just doing stuff. And, and if you weren't you know, going on mission trips or consistent at church or you weren't living up to this expectation that I was seeing the world through, then you were just lazy, right? But ultimately, the filter we look at people through, we ultimately look at ourselves through. And I think the, that was the biggest fear I had in my life was if I didn't do stuff, if I wasn't this super Christian, then I was lazy. And that was the fear I lived with. And that's where I chased it. And so it's kind of exploded, you know, because I had this, you know, if you, were, you didn't do stuff, you weren't uh, doing Bible studies, you weren't consistently going to church, if you didn't measure up these expectations, you know, that's how I filtered the world. And then I got married. And then how do you think that went? Yeah, not good. And then and it rocked my world. It's not working out. I don't know why. This way of filtering things is solving all my problems because it was just making more, and it was making a mess of my life. Uh, So then, uh, I'm blessed to have fellow climbers in my life, right? We're not meant to live this life alone. And so, uh, in community and just fellowship with one another, uh, Pastor Michael was part of leaning into my life, uh, leaning into what the Holy Spirit had for us, and leaning into... Uh, showing me that I had this lens over my eyes of seeing everyone through what they do and their actions. And then in how that's not how God sees me, and that's not how God sees everybody else. That's, that's an American lens, that's, that's the culture I live in lens, and that's not the lens that Jesus sees everyone or or how I see people. And now I kind of fight this battle every day, or some days I'll put on the American lens and start looking at myself or other people and what they do, and then I wrestle to put on this lens that Jesus gives me and says that they are salt and they are light, they are valuable, and they are purposeful. I think this is so important to tell people that they are valuable and purposeful without what they do that you actually might need to tell somebody, like right now. So you're going to turn to the person on your left that you just told was salt and light, and you're going to tell them what it means. You're going to tell them that they are valuable and purposeful. Ready? Go. And then make sure to tell the person on your right, tell the person on the right the same thing. So I, big disclaimer, I am not a romantic guy. Like, I know Valentine's Day is coming up, and it is... And it's, you know, this big, you know, lovey-dovey holiday, and I, I, I really don't, you know, I don't do romance. This is not my thing. So, but I even know the difference between telling a list of things of what somebody does and who they are how drastic that is, right? So, I'm going to tell my wife a list of things she does, and then I'm going to tell a list of things of who she is. Who she, And I just want you to pay attention of how drastically different it is. Okay, so you ready? So, honey... I'm not going to make you stand up. Okay, so you do so much for our our family. I see you You take such good care of our little guy. You make such delicious meals in our home. You make it such a great place to be. And I see you work so hard at the details that I'm so bad at. You know, I love you so much. Or, honey, you are the greatest friend I could ever ask for. (laughs) Dang it. (laughs) You know you are the best mom to our little guy. Man, I can't even do this anymore. (laughs) I just love you so much. But do you feel? Okay, so which one is way more man? (laughs) It's bad. All right, so which one though is way more impactful? Which one had way more weight behind it? Which one's going to help with the canoodling? <laughs> okay, so, that, so, that, so then the question is, what happens when we start to live life based off of the fact that you are already of great purpose and of great value? What starts to happen? What would your life look like? What would someone's life look like if they just live life not based off the values that any human or themselves gives them, not based off the purpose that any human or themselves give them, but based off that of which Jesus calls them to be. What would a life look like? Would it be game-changing? Would it be world flip-flopping? Would it be radical that it would start to like take on every aspect of your life? Like You're almost, I don't know, glowing? Like you would start to shine? And then what would some of the actions you would start to do then? There would be some pretty awesome things, right? You would do such powerful deeds. And as you glorified your Father in Heaven, people would also rejoice and glorify your Father in Heaven, right? It starts to become this moment of oh, it's not a matter of I need to do good things, right? So then people glorify my Father in Heaven. You need to back up and ask the question, who does God say I am? Who do I need to be? And He calls you valuable and purposeful. And when you center yourself on that, the actions that start to take place will transform your life. So then the question kind of begins well, how do we lean into this life of purpose? You know, how do I lean into this purpose? Jesus calls me, He calls me purposeful, right? How do I lean into this purpose that Jesus has for me? And that I'm going to actually have to invite you back for next week when we talk about leaning into purpose and actually shining bright and how to shine really bright and go from shining like a Christmas tree light bulb to one the size of my head. How do you go from shining that bright? You know, from little to big. How how do we actually do that from our day-to-day, our week-to-week? Pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, You are such an awesome God. Uh, I thank you for bringing us together uh, in the snow and the weather, but Lord, you came here and you blessed us, Lord. And I pray that uh, we would just be uh, a church, a community of people who do not get our value from our actions, who do not get our purpose for what we can do, Lord, but we get it all from you that you would be the center, you would be the way we look at the world, how we, the lens we see through, Lord. I pray that it would be you and you alone, and that you would hinder anything that comes against it. I pray the enemy would not be able to lie and tell us otherwise, Lord, but uh, your truth would be proclaimed in this, Lord, and that we would be able to just breathe and live life focused on the identity that you give us, Lord.